0: This is Death Watch, the monthly podcast where we eulogize one of the greats who has recently passed by watching some of their work that we weren't previously familiar with. My name is Matt Brown. I am Matthew Price. We are once again recording into an iPhone because we cannot get our shit together on the recording (laughs) technology. Apologies in advance for however this one sounds, although honestly, guys technology is so smart now i think it sounded pretty good the last I time it was fine. i thought it was fine I it was and fine. you don't have to tell people what we do like why let them behind the I curtain i like i like doing that okay, i like fair. the sense that we're all part of a team here and
1: that you know what we're all just out here trying our
0: best yeah guys we're just giving it our best shot at all times sure Uh, So today we're recording, it's September 25th, uh, 2019. This episode will be in your feed uh, in a couple of days on the 27th. Uh, Today we're circling back on someone who made Roll Call in August, back when we expected film notables to continue to die off like mayflies. Throughout the month of September, they proceeded to not do that, so that gives us the opportunity to go and uh, do one of our favorite actors, uh, Rucker Howard.
1: Rucker Howard, who, who died who, at yeah. the end of
0: July at the age of, and was a, was uh, called out in a in an honor roll call yeah. earlier, but like we really but, felt you know, like, like,
1: hey, like, if we have the opportunity, yeah, let's man. do a whole show exactly. And when you say that nobody died, I just have this image in my head of like, <laughs> of, like of like Stallone almost walking into an open manhole <laughs> cover and mean, somebody like pulling dude, him he's back he's and like, like whoa,
0: slide, slide. September, no, we still need you, man. Um, so, uh, we'll get to Rutger Howard in a bit more detail in a bit. I watched uh, Flesh and Blood. I don't remember what you watched.
1: Nighthawks. 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 There you go. Beautiful. Which oh. I really liked. And a couple we'll talk picks about from it. the 80s. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I can't wait to hear what you thought of Flesh and Blood. Oh, that great. is something.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, uh, but anyway, before we do that. Yeah. Roll call. Every I'm going to start doing this at the end of the show. I'm going to just like, I'm not going to cue in Roll Call till the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and now it's
1: become just a fun thing for me to do, to be yeah. like, oh. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I didn't prepare anything. Me now? Okay. Oh, okay. Me now. Yeah, let's That's talk about Roll Call for September. So, of course, Roll Call is uh, the monthly feature on our show where we just talk about who else has passed away uh-huh. since the last time we recorded a show. So That's right. So we come out of recording a show and I start once again looking through... Uh, the obituary columns, places yep. like that, looking for notable, notable. You passing, spend a whole month away. just like taking notes. I do. Dead. I feel like I've somehow Dead. just like become my Dead. parents, where yeah. you just read the obits all the time, right? Yep. Yeah, like yep. when, so I cross that Rubicon. Oh, can't go back. It's terrible. It's something, you I know. Mean, we're all we're all of us blessed getting older. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so, so it it uh, as you mentioned, not a huge number of r- sort of hardcore film luminary people, but. Still, a very interesting group all right. of human beings who are all now united by passing away around the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, start with Franco Columbia, Okay. Uh, an Italian bodybuilder and actor, was in Conan the Barbarian, was in The Terminator, was the Mr. Olympia winner in both 1976 and 1981, mm. and is sort of Arnold's main ally in the Pumping Iron film. Huh. So the reason that he then got pulled over into these other Schwarzenegger films is because they actually were good friends. And right. so, you know, the Pumping Iron is this thing where it's really just about Schwarzenegger... Pumping Iron. Well, <laughs> m- completely mind-fucking Lou <laughs> Ferrigno. <laughs> Like, like to the point where it's an it's a masterclass in how to mess with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, and and Franco uh, Colombo is like uh, sort of on the side there, right? Uh, so that's <laughs> anyway a phenomenal bodybuilder for uh-huh. sure. Uh-huh. Uh, next, Hans Rousing, ninety three years old. He was a Swedish businessman, all right, chair, uh, chairman of a, a pretty important company, Tetra Pak. Ooh. He is the person who actually popularized the idea of. Tetra Mm -hmm. So he was uh, buried, and then they realized they put him in the wrong receptacle. So they picked him up and they moved him over to another one. And then they realized they were like, do I recycle this? What do I do with it? So, yeah. 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 Um, and that's the only reason I mentioned him, because
0: to do that to stupid do that joke. joke stupid yeah. And joke, you didn't yeah. go with his coffin had a little straw along the side? No, I you
1: know, I thought about it. That would have been great, Jeez. wouldn't it? Or like not even a straw, but just like a weird concave
0: piece of wax at that's each end where the straw was and clearly be. has been fallen yeah. off. Wasn't yeah. that the best You get your lunch out and the straw is just gone? Gone, that's right. And you're like, I guess I'm squeezing this into my mouth.
1: Uh, uh, Quentin Wilson, 76, an American engineer and one of the original Rocket Boys. Uh, Memorialized in the film October Sky. Oh. So Homer Hickam's one of his friends. So <laughs> those guys all went on. They they built model rockets in their backyards and then they worked for NASA. Uh, you know, pretty good. That is pretty good. Pretty good That's, and work, if uh, you haven't seen October Sky, that is pretty good. I have not seen uh, October Sky. Oh, such a good movie. Um, Alec uh, Holoka, 35 year old uh, Canadian game developer. Uh, yeah, I saw that Aquaria, news. Aquaria, yeah, I'm yeah. Okay, a murder simulator, Night in the Woods. Like a lot of really cool indie yeah. games and gone obviously way too soon. Yeah, um, I follow a lot of game devs on Twitter and they were all very... Uh, yeah, he very sounds upset. like a really yep. cool, interesting and sort of significant person in the community. So, All right, now this this got me. So Marita Lorenz, 80 years old, German-born American conspiracy theor- theorist, hmm. died of heart failure. Heart failure, in quotes. <laughs> Claimed she had an affair with Fidel Castro in 1959 All right. and in January 1960 was involved in an assassination attempt by the CIA on Castro's life. She says she received poison pills that she was to put in Castro's food. But back in Cuba in 1960, she did not deliver the pills but instead told Castro about the plot claiming that she still loved him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Seems plausible. That is a life. That's pretty good. If any of that is true. I mean that's, a, that's a, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But that was her story, that they got that close to killing Castro, and she was like, I just love him too much. (laughs) Can't kill him. (laughs) See? Love always prevails. That's right. Uh, Catherine Ann McLean was an American science fiction author. She's best known for short fiction in the '50s, which looked at the impact of techno- technological advances on individuals and in society. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually took a look at some of her short stories. They're really interesting. They're really they're they're oh, they're very current mm-hmm. in terms of what they're taking on. Like a lot of stuff about AI and robots, kind of gaining awareness of themselves and what that would mean to us. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Cool. Um, one, you know, Hugo's and Nebulas and all that kind of like good stuff. Um, and again, very, very hard to find significant female voices in science fiction, Absolutely. so I'm always happy when uh, one is brought to my attention. So that's Catherine Ann McLean. Uh, Lee Salem, who was the editor and primary guiding force for the last 40 years at Andrews McNeil Comics Syndicate. So if you're wondering who Andrews McNeil Comics Syndicate is, that is all the comics. All the daily comics that's oh, that's comics go online, right. that's Kathy, the far side, for better or for worse, Doonsbury, Calvin and Hobbes, either discovered or nurtured by this one <laughs> guy. Wow, pretty so very significant. It's funny. I don't think about that
0: that publishing arm anymore at all. No, is and that, yet like incredibly, yeah, incredibly yeah,
1: yeah. influential yeah. Right? Uh, Rod Conybear. 89 years old, Canadian icon, no, nothing? No, nothing. You've mentioned his name to me before. Rod Conibear yeah. from The Friendly Giant. He uh, voiced the yes. puppets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the actual Friendly Giant, for those of you who know what The Friendly Giant is, which was this great Canadian TV show where it was just like, let's just take a regular guy, but then we'll build a bunch of tiny miniature sets, and we'll say he's enormous. Gar- yeah. And that'll be the show. Yeah. Uh, so Rod Coney Bear did two puppets on that show, Jerome the Giraffe. Mm-hmm. And Rusty the Rooster. Mm-hmm. Rusty was a rooster who lived inside a book bag. Sure. And then he would go down into the bag and pull out books that would yep. be fun to read. Um, Charlie Cole, uh, born 1955, does, uh, died September 5th of this year, an American photojournalist. One, the, uh, uh, I, I think it's the AP Photo of the Year, or maybe the, some, there was some Photo of the Year he is one of five photographers who captured the iconic image of Tank Man in Tiananmen Square. Oh. And this photo that I'm showing you, yeah. so if you Google Charlie Cole, you'll find this photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the photo of the guy standing in front of the, ro- the line of four tanks in the middle of Tiananmen Square just mm-hmm. standing there. It's vi- you know unbelievably right. influential and impactful image. Cole hid the film role containing the Tank Man picture in a toilet tank while his hotel room was searched by the Public Security Bureau. Jesus. Yeah. They didn't search the toilet tank. They didn't. That's lucky. And that's why we've seen this photo, yeah, which yeah. is pretty crazy and wow. good. Uh, can you imagine the giant steel balls on the, the, the Chinese Public Security Bureau is in your hotel room. Yeah. You know where this photograph is mm-hmm. and you are not indicating. Yeah. Like you somehow I can't even yeah, that's that's born identity stuff right yeah. there. Yeah. But that's the job. Yeah. That's what makes him yeah. cool. Uh, Robert Mugabe. Uh, Tyrant, Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. That guy. That guy. That guy. He's dead. He is. Great. And couldn't have happened to a nice fellow.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Joan Johnson, founder of Johnson Products Company, Mm -hmm. the makers of
0: Afro-Sheen. Oh, right then. So there
1: you go. Perfect. I think that's pretty neat, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Playwright Peter Nichols. Most famous play he wrote is probably A A Day in the Death of Joe Egg. Which I had heard of, but have never seen that play. Never Uh, heard of. But a pretty significant uh, dramatic playwright from the seventies, eighties, nineties. All right. Uh, Robert Axelrod, primarily a voice actor. I'm going to show you his picture because I think you may recognize. Do you recognize him? No, I don't. All right. So so. his most significant role is he played Lord Zedd on Power Rangers. Oh wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but a million other things. Power Rangers. No, I wasn't a huge fan either, but I do know who Lord Zedd is. (laughs) Uh, Robert Frank. 94 years old, Swiss American, primarily American photographer. His most famous book is The Americans, which pretty much sets the standard in about 1958 for all uh, public street photography. Hmm. Um, also a documentary filmmaker. He made Socker Blues, which is a movie about the Rolling Stones. Um, but if you can find a copy of The Americans, seek it out. It mm-hmm. is uh, really remarkable. All right. Uh, screenwriter, Iranian-born uh, Iraqi-American screenwriter, Marduk Martin. Uh, primarily a collaborator with uh, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. wrote, co-wrote Raging Bull, Mean Streets, and New York, New York. Right. Um, and then American businessman and philanthropist T. Boone Pickens, who I just like the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I, I didn't know who this was. He was like a Texas oil man who in the last about 10 years had, had gone all in on wind and solar and renewable resource and was trying to sort of move the dial, move the needle on that. Uh, American singer songwriter Daniel Johnston, yeah, pretty pretty significant. Is in the Devil and songwriter wrote "Walking the Cow." Visual artist had unfortunately had a pretty major heart attack and Mm -hmm. passed away. But incredible again, I I don't know what you say about Daniel Johnston. I think like as a DIY artist, kind of Mm -hmm. the square one of that. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. All right, folks, we'll edit that out. Um, will I, though? I don't think you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, American civil rights activist Juanita Abernathy, mm-hmm. married to uh, Minister Ralph Abernathy, mm-hmm. participated in the Montgomery bus boycott, was 88 years old. And so she passed away from complication from a stroke. But I just think it's so, like, the civil rights movement, This the... the, the the movement in the 60s is so still present mm-hmm. and with us that these people are still around for the most part. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Yeah. Um, singer, a couple of singers of, of significance, especially for fans of music in the 1980s. So Eddie Money, uh, American singer-songwriter, uh, Take Me Home Tonight, Two Tickets to Paradise, Baby Hold On. Um, unfortunately, died from complications from heart surgery. So actually, Yikes. like, probably was going to be okay, except... And then uh, Rick Ocasek, lead singer of the Cars. The Cars. Uh, there's a band called the Cars. <laughs> oh, Come on, no, I don't you know. You've Got to give me I don't something. Know about no here. music here. No, it's not my thing. I understand. My best friend's girl. You might think. Mm-hmm. Look, do I need to tell people who the Cars are? Go Google it. My God,
0: no one's answering.
1: Yeah, you're, <laughs> there's no one home. Um, so huge. Anyway, huge. Yeah, huge. Uh, and then a couple of other music things happened this this month too. So. We'll go through those. So the next one is John Cohen, 87. Uh, he was a folk musician, founded the new Lost City Ramblers, which sounds like a made-up band from, like, A Mighty Wind, but is actually a real mm-hmm. a real band um, and a musicologist. That he, uh, he made a film, a documentary in 1962 called High Lonesome Sound, which also, you know, became the name of that sound of folk music, mm-hmm. the High Lonesome Sound. Um, if you think about the music and the musicians in um, the Cohen Brothers movie, um... Mm-hmm. What is it? The one about the folk musician? Oh, brother! Uh, or no, no, the no. new one. The one Oh, uh, uh, Lewin Davis. Lewin Davis. Yeah, this is that. Mm-hmm. This is that. He's okay. not Lewin Davis, but he's definitely like one of those. One of those guys, right? right? Um, uh, his field recording of the of a traditional Peruvian wedding song is one of the pieces of music included on the Voyager Golden Record. Wow! Yeah. So how about that? Oh man,
0: I want yeah. to get that record back. You? Oh, did you? <laughs> did, you did you? Was that yours? No. <laughs> did we take yours to space? No, it's like, boy, it's really, it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful idea that there's this solid gold record flying through space forever. Yeah, but ain't no one ever gonna fucking find that thing? Maybe. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. It's a pretty slim. You shot. can
1: actually order. I think there was like a limited edition reproduction of that, that record. I you're correct. correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, American journalist Cokie Roberts. Yeah. Passed away at 75. She sure, sure um, did. Uh, one of the original voices of NPR.
0: hmm
1: Kind of created that NPR sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zine El Abedina Ben Ali, 83 years old, was a Tunisian autocrat. All right. He was ousted in the Arab Spring. He's the first mm. of the many mm-hmm. dictators ousted in the Arab, Arab Spring. Wow. Because it started in Tunisia. Uh, Oh, the other thing I wanted to say about Cokie Roberts before I forget, her full given name is Mary Martha Corinne Morrison Claiborne Cokie Roberts, nay Boggs, (laughs) which I just found very entertaining. (laughs) She must have been like, you know what? Let's just go with Cokie. Yeah, Cokie's fine. Yeah. Uh, Jessica James, uh, an American Hall of Fame pornographic actress who was found unfortunately unresponsive in her room and uh, I only include this because – uh, I just think, you know, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum of pornography and its place in society, boy, these people do not last, a lot of them, and it mm, sucks. It's true. It's yeah. a really hard life, and uh, there are many reasons, mm-hmm. both good and bad, why people get into that business, and uh, seemingly many reasons why they don't necessarily live that long. So. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, Graham Gibson, novelist and also a partner of Margaret Atwood. Uh, died recently. Oh, uh, I not know that. Yeah, and um, so she was just about to go out on a pretty major tour for the Testaments mm-hmm. and actually had to cancel most of her events because mm-hmm. uh, her partner died. Uh, American racehorse Pepper's Pride, <laughs> <laughs> who died. Uh, he was an undefeated, multiple-stakes-winning American thoroughbred racehorse. And the, the one reason I wanted to pull up this is I have a huge fascination with how these racehorses get their names. Mm-hmm. Pepper's Pride. Son of uh, Lady Pepper
0: mm-hmm.
1: and grandson of Chili Pepper Pie. Wow, <laughs> which I just thought was great. And
0: their conviction is that those horses were proud of, they, the, of this of horse. the names of the, or no, something horse, or yeah yeah yeah. If you the, Google a horse, if you they go to saw Wikipedia, this foal and yeah, they were like, yeah, he's gonna be all
1: right. Yeah yeah. If you go to Wikipedia and look up a racehorse, you get to see what other racehorses were involved in making this one. Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. Uh, strange, but it happens. Uh, John Keenan, 99, American police officer. He led the son of Sam Manhunt. Oh, cool. 99.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it wasn't 99 then. Yeah. But yeah. uh,
1: Filipino film director Mel Chianglo passed away. Many films came to TIFF, uh, including Midnight Dancers Mm. uh, and uh, uh, Burlesque King. Um, American actor Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah. Yeah. You want to say anything about this? Star I Trek, say, Deep Space Nine. I want to say a
0: lot of things about this. So, so this is Nog, of course. Yeah, this Deep Space Nine. was Nine. This was Nog. And, Played. you know, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I think I'm on the record. Like, look, Next Generation, it's always going to be my favorite show, really. Not just favorite Star Trek, yeah. my favorite show. Yeah. I do fall into the camp of people who think that Deep Space Nine is, is the best Star Trek. Um, Aaron Eisenberg was was a huge part of why I liked the show so much, but I also wanted to say that, like, okay, we we talk about how Deep Space Nine is really influential on the television that we have now because of the serialization, which is true, but you also have to look at stuff like The X-Files, a lot of other shows that were in the 90s. That all was happening at, at once. What I think DS9 was really good at, and what Aaron Eisenberg was a particularly great example of, was the bench of the recurring characters was so deep and so well fleshed out. Like if they liked you, if you were good, yeah, they keep bringing you back and they keep building your character until suddenly you had a cast that like there was the regulars of whatever a Star Trek regular cast is, like eight people. And then on DS Nine, there's like 35 principal really, recurring really characters, good. Yeah. yeah, who are incredibly fleshed out. As yeah. many people have pointed out this week, Nog probably had the the most incredible arc. On that show, if you think starts, about the
1: growth from yeah, like bratty, he, terrible child yeah, to yeah, he's yeah. literally
0: a plot device in the pilot where he gets arrested and that gives Cisco leverage on Quark. Right, right. So he's right. just there as a plot functional piece. Right. And then he becomes friends with Jake, and he's a bad influence on Jake. But then he wants to get into Starfleet, so he starts turning into a better person. And then he, you know, gets his leg blown off during yeah. the Dominion War, and then he has to recover. And that from that, that and
1: episode especially it's has incredible. a really terrific performance from him, and is a really hard to watch episode. Yeah, in some absolutely. Ways. Like the talk about trauma and post post traumatic stress. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Which so, is,
1: I, mean, I feel like that's the theme of Deep
0: Space Nine is post traumatic stress. It absolutely like it, it's is. Like it's, that's what it's about. Yeah, right? It begins with it, and it ends with it. Yeah. it I mean, the, I think the best way I ever heard Deep Space Nine described was, you know, people obviously always complained about Deep Space Nine being all set in one place and not flying around and zipping around and stuff. And, and I think it was Ira Steven Bear who said, yeah, it's about what it means to have to stay in a place and fix the shit that doesn't work. Yeah. You don't yeah. get to leave at the end of the that's hour. That's right. You have to stay right. here and keep working. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's why I think Deep Space Nine is, is so powerful. And I mean, like, yeah, Aaron Eisenberg seemed like he was just like the sweetest man in the world. And, uh, yeah. And gone way too soon. And gone yeah. way too soon. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, And just a few more, and then we'll round this out. So actor Sid Haig. Yeah. Who I I feel like I don't really know except for sort of the late, late stuff with uh – with um, the crazy like horror films and stuff, but yeah, I, and i would know. never
0: seen any of the Rob Zombie stuff. I know him from like you know parts in like Coffee and and Foxy Brown. Like he was kind of around. Yeah, so he's in one Black of the guys. He yeah, turns yeah. up in in Jackie Brown actually in a cameo because Tarantino you know remembers right, him from the seventies right. stuff. So that's where I know him from.
1: Right, but so uh, I've but, seen, yeah. I've seen some of the Rob Zombie stuff, and yeah. he is you know delightful. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jay Michael Mike Mendel, who was a television producer. He started producing TV while he was in high school. When he graduated, he was he went to work with James L. Brooks on Big and the Tracy Ullman show, so he became one of the original producers of The Simpsons shorts and joined the staff as the show's producer from season 1 to 10. Hmm. For his work on The Simpsons, he won 3 primetime Emmy awards for Lisa's wedding, Homer's phobia and Trash of the Titans.
0: Those are uh, very good episodes.
1: They are. Yeah. After he produced the, after he left The Simpsons, he produced the PJs, the Oblongs drawn together, uh, and Napoleon Dynamite. In 2013, he joined Rick and Morty and won his fourth Emmy award for the Pickle Rick episode. Wow. Yeah. Pretty Di- good. Died at like 55. Like. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Last one is uh, unusual and interesting. He was uh, a lyricist, Robert Hunter, Mm -hmm. primarily wrote lyrics for The Grateful Dead, was actually inducted with The Grateful Dead when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's the only non-member of a band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah. Wrote the line, what a long, strange trip it's been. (laughs) (laughs) And co-wrote Friend of the Devil and Casey Jones and many others, right? That's pretty good.
0: Um, and I, that was, is... There's actually one other guy. I'm like, oh, sorry I don't actually remember his name. I'm but very I just sorry to, that I missed this. No, it's okay. It's the guy, the Russian... Uh, Operative Operator Sorry yes. In Russia Who in 1983 Received the oh. information That, that oh, the US That's right yeah, I forgot about him You're right launched The nuclear strike on Russia and But it, but it like, only launched Five missiles And didn't decided Didn't act not on to it counter, Yeah Not yeah. to act on it And save the world Essentially save the world Decided not to nuke The United States And yeah, therefore I completely, Didn't start World War III Oh man I completely forgot yeah, about I, that Yeah And I'm sorry yeah. I I've I blanked on the name This was only a couple days ago But I saw that go through the feed And I was like That's pretty good Yeah you know, you, Sorry I missed that Yeah All yeah. good yeah. So let's talk about Rucker Hauer. Sure. Uh, Rutger Hauer was Dutch. What? Yeah. The, Who was I watching? No, this no is, that's fine. That's yeah. almost as far as I got with this bio because I didn't have uh, much time today but I did do a bit more. Uh, so he's born in 1944 in Utrecht in the Netherlands uh, during the German occupation of the Netherlands. So mm-hmm. he mentions this as a reason for his lifelong pacifism which is that even as a very small child he was terrified of war and, and violence. Uh, in spite of that, he joined both the Dutch merchant navy and the Dutch army in his teens. Uh, but he wasn't. He eventually, you know, basically cashed out of the army because he wasn't comfortable using uh, using deadly weapons. He uh, also attended the Academy for Theater and Dance in Amsterdam and therefore became an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his screen debut was in '69 when Paul Verhoeven, who shall be mentioned many times in this episode, uh, cast him in Floris, which was a Dutch medieval television series when it was apparently a huge hit in, in yeah. Holland. Uh, and then, his major career breakout was also Paul Verhoeven in 73. Uh, no, it's called oh. Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight. 1973. That was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he begins transitioning into English language films and then eventually American roles over the back half of the 70s. Uh, obviously hits the zenith of his career playing Roy Batty in uh, Blade Runner in 1982 for Ridley Scott. He gives what remains one of the most memorable death speeches of all time. Uh, so much so that obviously when he died it was... It was everywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He, he, it
1: transcends the movie itself. It transcends it's the movie itself. It's actually better than the movie it's yeah. in. And it's
0: a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. And in about three or four lines, Rutger Hauer somehow manages to express the inexpressible quantity of why death is bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He worked in films and television uh, for, you know, the rest of his life, and I would say that they were wildly, widely varying quality.
1: Yeah, I feel like, like he was a guy who just liked to work. Yeah, he just and, liked to work. Uh, so, and he is always at a certain level, but you're right, there's yeah. there's a, a wide variety of yeah, stuff going goes around Yeah, he goes to a lot him. of different yeah. places.
0: Yeah. He was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original feature. That's right. He was in True Blood, the vampire television series on HBO, yeah. and he was also in Dracula 3 Legacy. In, 19- in 2005. For these reasons, among many others, I assumed that he was a vampire and was quite startled when he to died. To hear that he passed away. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He I also- certainly,
1: he seemed like a guy that was going, in fact, to live forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: He was also a staunch environmentalist and was uh, on the board of advisors for the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. If you don't know who those guys are, look them up. They're They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so do you want to talk about Flesh and Blood first? or, or Let's
1: talk about Flesh and Blood. So right. before we get going on Flesh and Blood, I mean, yeah. Flesh and Blood is... Uh, emblematic for me of what makes Verhoeven great, which sure. is, uh, uh, oh, would you like to know what the symbolism of it is? Let me light a cross on fire and put it in the background of this shot. Like mm-hmm. it is the yep. most Verhoeven-y Verhoeven movie
0: I think yep. of all of them. It's very Verhoeven-y
1: And I have seen, you know, and there are varying degrees of that
0: Verhoeveness. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yep. go on. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I so I didn't prepare any notes for this because I just didn't have time. So I'm going to freeball it. All right. So, flesh and blood. Yeah. yeah. Rucker Howard's in the film. Yeah. No, I'm going to do better than this. <laughs>
1: Flash <laughs> and Blood is a movie. That's right. It's like a grade four yeah. book report where you haven't read the book. So it's like. It consists
0: of film. Yeah. We're going to do a nihilist, sexualized, medieval yeah. sword and sorcery run yeah. 30 years before Game of Thrones. And about five years after Excalibur. Yeah. yeah. About five yeah. years after Excalibur. So yeah. it is. Re- in a lot of ways, this movie is problematic as fuck problematic as fuck, and yet it is so good yeah. <laughs> at being yeah. what it is, that it is almost... Yeah, I just
1: feel like it takes on and owns how gross the time would have been, exactly. and it's not trying to, like... Yeah. I don't think it's trying to make a statement about endorsing or not endorsing no. the problematic stuff. It's just like, here's what's happening, Yeah, right? You know, and so you just go along for the ride, it's right? It's
0: 1501, and you're just sort of like... Yeah, sucks yeah, to be a lady. It's It sucks yeah. to be a lady. Yeah. Like, so... I actually didn't – I wanted to look it up before we did this. I didn't look it up. So so the story is about Rutger Howard playing this this mercenary. He has a band of mercenaries with him, and they sack yeah. a castle, and then the guy that they were working for goes back on his word and tosses them out with no money and, right. and so forth. Right. So they basically become, like, pirates slash Robin Hoods who right. are like, we're just going to be in it for ourselves, and we're going to get it all figured out. And then one of the things that they uh, take <laughs> in the process of <laughs> – Avenging themselves upon this man is 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 Jennifer Jason Leigh, who sure. is going to marry the son of this right. guy,
1: and who I think looks a little like Joan of Arc in it. Yeah, she does. Yeah. But I mean, the yeah. thing
0: is, she also looks incredibly young, which she is, which yeah. she is, and also incredibly small. What's really which she, she is, is so yeah. small next to Howard that it is. I, I am not trying to. Uh, make excuses for problematic content but there, it almost looked to me like it It, it seemed like anime. You know where like, there's this oh, where enormous exaggeration of, between, yeah, yeah. between the physicalities of characters like there's yeah. a scene where they're having sex it, well at that point they're having sex earlier he was raping her. Sure. Now she likes it which is, that's a problematic trope in and of it itself. It is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's not a real thing? That's apparently not oh, a real thing. Oh, I got to make a yeah. call. Oh, no, I know. Anyway. But anyway, so they're having sex <laughs> in a bathtub, and he literally, like, lifts her out of the bath using his body. Yeah. <laughs> just, his, just his wiener. And she's just, it's like, it's yeah. like she's a cat on his chest. Yeah, yeah. He's just walking time. around yeah. wearing her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's wild. answering the phone. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's calling for yeah. pizza. Yeah. The thing I'll say about Howard is there's no... Way I think this movie would be stomachable or watchable if he wasn't so good at playing this character who is an outright asshole, but playing him with just enough charisma that you not only like him, but you genuinely want him to succeed. Like you're just sort of like, yeah, this guy's a dick. Yeah, good work, good for you, Dick.
1: Yeah, get yeah. get what
0: you want to get. You're surrounded by even worse.
1: Yeah, you're so, surrounded by even yeah.
0: worse, and, and and every you know, yeah. Everything this, is
1: this is, is the movie awful. where they sack the castle by throwing
0: a diseased animal into it, right? Uh, and then just no, waiting for them to get sick. That is that is how her fiance gets her back. Right. He realizes that a dog has drank uh, plague infected blood, so he butchers the dog and then catapults the pieces of the dog into their dinner party. Right. right. Movies movies pretty fucking gross. Pretty bad. It's great though. Yeah. Oh, That's no, it's great. I'm it's, like it's, everyone should do that. to well, take the a, castle. Yeah, no, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of really kind of just amazing set pieces and stuff. Like, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, uh, among
1: all the kind of lost film projects throughout history, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes they come back. Looking at you, Gemini Man. Uh, <laughs> of, of all, you know, sometimes you're like, really, it came back? That yeah. thing was dead thirty. The Meg? Yeah. That was dead for thirty years. Yeah. Uh, the one that died and could have, and I just wish it hadn't was that. After Total Recall, Schwarzenegger and Verhoeven were supposed to make a movie called The Crusades. Yes. That was supposed to be like this, only times 100. Yeah. And I, I really, I wish we had seen that movie. Yeah, I man. just, you know, the,
0: so much is there. I remember reading about that when I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah um, so exactly. absolutely. yeah, um Yeah, Verhoeven, so the one of the... <laughs> little bit of a death watch side sidebar. One of my longtime fascinations has been with Ronald Lacey, who plays Tote in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, he died also quite young, I believe, about fifty. Um, he's in this movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Tote is in this he's movie. In I, in I forgot this movie. But the thing, the thing that was funny, I didn't. He's so good at not being that guy yeah. that I didn't recognize him until halfway through the movie when he actually does the Heil Hitler salute with one hand, and then I was like, Oh my God! Oh my God! It's Tote. <laughs> like for three seconds he becomes toad again and then i was like ah <laughs> but the rest of the time he's unrecognizable uh yeah it's it's and and brian james is in a lot of dead people are actually in this movie. yeah and it's a very death watchy kind of a movie yeah and so um, brian
1: james of course that's a reunite reunification from yeah no so Leonard. That's, that's wild so that's sort of neat. Yeah, you've yeah. got those two there and uh, and also can we talk about bruno kirby for just a sec because it seems Kirby's in the movie, so incongruous <laughs> But Bruno Kirby seems like if yeah. you're going, what actor really blends into a sort of English yeah. yep. Middle Ages? I'm not thinking of Bruno Kirby, no. who I really
0: feel like is like a New York kind no. of a tough guy, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so good in it. Well, I do. I mean, you know, I'm like, look, when I was like 15 or 16 years old, I was a big fan of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I was really pissed off at all of the people who had – who said that the accents were the reason that movie's not good. Oh, no. There's many but, other man, reasons Man, if you good. don't like that movie, there's probably plenty of reasons. But this movie once again proves that <laughs> – you know the accent thing; it's not actually that important. It isn't. Everyone is speaking with a completely
1: different accent in the movie. And, and let's be clear: no one knows how anyone really talked. Exactly. And if we did hear them as they really talked, probably couldn't understand them.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you anyway. know. So yeah, it was a nice, it was a yeah. nice Rutger Howard memorial film. He's, you know, obviously he's the principal character, but he's also really Rutger in it. It's not. Yeah. He's very on model for how I think of him in my head. So I it. Well, it's funny that you say that because I yeah. feel
1: the same way about my movie, which right. I will admit is not as good as Flesh and Blood. I mm-hmm. just had already seen Flesh and Blood. So, yeah. uh, you know, I thought, oh, here's a, a bit of a blind spot. This, like, very late. So I think it's even, like, 1980. But really, like, if you look at it, Nighthawks is a pretty classic 70s thriller. Sure. Set, you know, set in an urban setting. You've got cops and a bad guy who's kind of a mastermind. It's clearly drawing on a lot of, like... Oh, like Three Days of the Condor and um I'm trying to think of what else. And Jackal mm-hmm. and, like it's a it's a criminal. He plays I mean, there's a great Rutger Howard part. He plays a criminal who's great at disguises. Yeah. And very charismatic. Jesus,
0: I've seen this movie, haven't I?
1: And he starts off much older and then he goes for plastic surgery to make himself I look have like seen Rector this Hauer. movie. You have seen this movie. Yeah. And there's a thing Son at the beginning where where uh, sort of the big plot point is that to catch the criminal at the beginning there's like a some kind of a cold open mm-hmm. in the film and to catch the criminal at the beginning Stallone's uh, cop character is dressed as a woman. Yeah. Uh, as a prostitute. Uh, and then like pulls the wig off and is like, "Got you, bad guy." Yeah. like that. Jesus, I saw this recently. Yeah, my it's a good. Not it's good.
0: a good movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and and my favorite kind. I mean, that's really the sort of Rutger Howard part that I want, where it's almost similar to something that like Von Sidow would have played mm-hmm. in American films. It's like this very suave, sort of. You know, he he operates by basically seducing. Women and then moving in with them yeah. with all of his bomb making equipment. It's a good gig. Hidden. It is. It's a pretty good, you know, he's like charming enough that he can get yeah. some woman to like go, eh, you can stay in my apartment, mm-hmm. right? And then that's his cover for like doing what he does. The biggest and most important thing I learned from watching this movie is that New York City has a functioning uh, gondola. As yes. part of their public transit, yes. And I was like, "How did I miss that? It's still going. Yeah, you can ride this gondola. It is
0: in the establishing shots of many New York set. And uh, I was programs. like,
1: "I have never seen this gondola yeah. before. I had yeah. no idea. I've taken boats and trains and buses yeah. in New York City, but you never taken a gondola. Never taken the gondola as Man. part of public transit. I'm like, oh my god, I got to do that the next. Anyway, so there's a bucket list item yeah. uh, filled in there because of that. Thank you, uh, and Power. Of, and of course that gondola mm-hmm. uh, essentially is. The plot of The Dark Knight. Yes. <laughs> so yes. so yeah. if you want inspiration and perspiration, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. He he kidnaps or he, he hijacks the gondola mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm going to get what I want or these people in this gondola aren't going to make it. Yeah. And that is pretty much what happens in The Dark Knight with the boat, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of fun. I think it is a great movie. It is also not a great movie, but it's yeah. like but a it's great very, movie it's to watch. It's fun. It's
0: watchable. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Stallone
1: is great. Billy Dee Williams plays his partner. Man. It has this whole side plot about them being forced to go to terrorist school. Yeah. when they're just streetwise <laughs> New York cops. So there's like endless scenes of them just sitting in <laughs> class going, this is some bullshit. Yeah. Right? And that's sort of like a fun, vibey thing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think yeah. they were just running light on time? They were like I don't they know, run, but it's, right it's like right such light. a funny idea of like, let's just spend basically 20 minutes just with guys just. Trying to educate these New York streetwise New York cops yeah. about what's really what you know what this threat really is in the slowest way possible yeah. while they go shouldn't we just be out looking for this guy because that's how they catch him yeah. they just go out looking and randomly
0: catch him yeah. Well, yeah I mean New York was a lot smaller back then yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well that was pretty good. I mean, I'm sorry Wrecker Howard died, but it was fun to, like, because when we didn't do him last month, I was so disappointed I wasn't going to get to watch this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. That I was going to just go ahead and watch it anyway. And then and then we were like, well, this is... This seems right. This yeah. seems right. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes open. We'll keep our eyes peeled on October. October will be our two-year anniversary as a podcast. Wow. This is our 24th episode. Uh, yeah, I know. Time flies when you're, yeah. people are dropping like flies. I don't know. Where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, thank you all. Well, wow, that was a smooth recovery. Yeah, boy, I <laughs> nailed that. Thank you all so much for listening and bearing with us. Uh, we'll be—we're <laughs> available on Twitter at Death Watch Pod. Same for Letterbox. And we will uh, see you next month, unless one of us dies.